0: Now, we actually have a um, special uh, scripture reading um, segment today, and I want to invite Micah over here. Micah, if you want to come to the chair. And Micah's going to do a scripture reading for us. Come on up, buddy. The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you; He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy, thirty, ver, one, verse eight. Hello, everyone. Thank you for um, being patient as you worked through the sound issue. I was able to fix it while Roy was praying, so I know it cut off in the middle. But um, thank you for um, yeah. I'm glad it, that that issue was fixed. It's a time of a uh, transition for us, you know, all of us here in Melbourne. Um, we don't know what tomorrow or next week or you know even next month is going to bring, and let alone next year. It's impossible to plan, you know, around by this time. We usually have the church retreat venue booked and, you know, most of the calendar for next year penciled in. But at this point, we're just going to have to take it you know, one week, one month at a time. And it's exciting that restrictions are easing, but it's also a bit daunting. How do we live in the new COVID normal world? You know, what does that even mean? Um, I've been asking that question, you know, is, are we ever going to go back to a normal or are we going to be until there's a vaccine living in this weird limbo place? How do we navigate the new boundaries and the new interpersonal relationships when you see someone, you know, there's that, always going to be that awkward like, oh, elbow, no, elbow, okay, hello, wave, you know, we're going to be going through that for a while. You know, our finances, our, our, our goal, our personal goals, um, our career ambitions, everything is going to be a bit um, in transition. It's a time of high anxiety. In fact, it's been a time of high anxiety for, for many years. Um, you know the Bible app YouVersion. They actually um, they track what the most popular verses are each year. And they measure this by the number of times a verse is highlighted or shared or read. And it's interesting to look at which verses... These are the most popular Bible verses on you version in the past three years. Last year was Philippians chapter four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And in 2018, it was Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in 2017, it was Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so we can see that, oh, what just happened? In the past three years, um, there's been, you know, all these verses that have to do with anxiety. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think these verses have been popular for several years because we we live in a society and a time where there is high pressure, where there is high stress. Um and despite all the conveniences that we face today, there's also more distractions. Um and so it takes more effort to focus and, and to stay on task and to um meet expectations. And I want to focus today on that last verse from two thousand seventeen, which remains popular you know it's not number one, but it's always in the top ten favorite verses every year that verse in Joshua who was Joshua, and why did he need courage so Joshua was a young hebrew um a young Hebrew slave living in Egypt when Moses came to deliver the Israelites around fifteen hundred b c so Joshua was um you know, one of the many thousands of Hebrew slaves that were working in Egypt um, under forced labor, heavy taxation, you know, just going day to day. And he was there when Moses came and delivered the Israelites through miraculous 10 plagues. You know, he walked through the seabed when, when, when the Red Sea was parted. And now they're in the wilderness. And how did he feel? And how did the rest of the Israelites feel? You know, fear has power to change our brain chemistry. We talked about that several months ago. And some of the Israelites felt a lot of fear because they face an uncertain future. Their past lives of captivity all of a sudden seem like a safer place rather than this vast unknown wilderness. You now, restrictions are challenging, but at least they give us clear guidelines. When you have no choice, there is no choice to make. But then all of a sudden, when restrictions lift, we're faced with choices you know, what do we let in? Who do we let in? And sometimes these choices can, can paralyze us. The Israelites looked around and they saw this vast wilderness stretching to the, to the left and to the right. And, and as far as they could see, and they wondered, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear when our clothes wear out and when our sandals wear out? What are we going to do when the dangerous animals and when people attack? And, you know, the desert is really hot during the day, and really cold at night. And Moses hadn't shared any, you know, five-year goals. He hadn't given them a plan of how food will be distributed or how they're going to stay safe. They literally were in the middle of the desert following this man and following a God that for so many years they didn't know. So even though God sent them manna, Every day for them to eat except for on Sabbath. Um, and, and so they had food. And even though he brought water out of a rock so they could drink, and even though he protected them from serpents and scorpions and the wild animals, and he gave them a pillar of cloud during the day to keep them cool and a pillar of fire at night to keep them warm. But despite all this, they were afraid. You know, we give the Israelites a lot of flack for whinging so much and for their lack of faith. But they were going through a lot of transitions. They had been slaves, and now they were a free people group with a new society and a new social order that they had to figure out. The rules of engagement had changed. And they had this leader, this God, who, like I said, they hadn't really gotten to know, because for 400 years, God had been silent. When they were in slavery, when they were in bondage, and they were crying out for generations, God had not sent them a deliverer. And now, this silent God who had seemed so distant is now so very visible and vocal. And that was a big change for them to adjust to. They had spent too many years in bitterness and disappointment with their prayers seeming like they weren't going anywhere. Trust cannot be built overnight. And they certainly had all of this God, but they had not yet learned to trust in him. And this Moses, who was Moses? He was a Hebrew, but he was never one of them. He grew up in a palace as an adopted prince. And then when he was a grown man, he murdered somebody and then was a fugitive. And then he spent 40 years in freedom, being a shepherd, married a Midianite woman. And then he comes back all of a sudden and wants to lead them. He was not one of them. And and you can understand why every chance they got, the Israelites tried to um, select a new leader and go back to Egypt. But not Joshua. And the first time we hear about this young man, Joshua, is in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 10. And it says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered. Until this point, Joshua had just been one of the multitudes, but here we meet him for the first time. And even though it doesn't say much, we can actually understand quite a bit from this passage. The fact that Moses chose him out of the thousands of, of young men that he could have chosen tells us that Joshua was someone who had natural leadership skills, but not just skills you know, as a military leader, not just skills as, as, as someone with you know, people influence, but he had something that Moses recognized. And now, Joshua has a choice. For all this time, he had witnessed God's miracles working around him. But now, God was wanting to work a miracle in him and through him. God wanted him to participate in the work. He was no longer a silent bystander. He was chosen and now he had a choice to make. Would he say yes? Imagine if you were Joshua when Moses came to your tent and said, Hey, Joshua, um, the Amalekites attacked, and I want you to lead the defense. I want you to choose some men and go out there and fight the Amalekites. And I'll be on top of the hill watching. If I were Joshua, I would have many questions. Who am I supposed to fight with? This group of ex-slaves haven't been trained and they don't even have weapons, right? They didn't leave you know, Egypt armed. They would have to make weapons overnight. And And why me? Why me? Joshua could have stammered that he wasn't equipped for this role or insisted that Moses lead the Israelites himself instead of watching from the top of the hill. Or maybe suggest Caleb, your friend, you know, Caleb's the guy for you. He could have remained bitter that God had been silent for 400 years and he could have said, well where was God during the time when you know I was a slave and I and I prayed for deliverance and he was silent. You know, why should I trust him now? How do I know he's not going to let me die? But instead of letting all these fears and all the bitterness dictate his choices, Joshua decided to give God and Moses a chance. And that's what Moses saw in Joshua. He saw in this man someone who is willing to have faith, someone who is willing to give God and Moses a go. Imagine if Joshua had not taken this first step of faith. He would not have become Moses's trainee and eventually his successor. He would not have become the leader of Israel, taking them into the promised land. He would never have marched around Jericho. He would not have that song. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. That's my little Joshua's favorite song. First step of faith is always the hardest. Perhaps you have been part of the crowd, witnessing God work around you. But perhaps God is now wanting to work through you. Perhaps he's asking you to do something for him. What's keeping you from answering his call? What are you afraid of? What would you do for God if you weren't afraid? There's a workbook called God's Heart Call to Inner Peace. And there's a section on fear. And I really like it, and I will share it with you, because it shows us how fear can keep us from living out God's purpose for us. It says, God's heart desire for me is to trust in his goodness. But the fearful heart says, how can I be sure? God's heart desire for me is to view him as all-sufficient. The fearful heart says, it's not realistic. God's heart desire for me is to know him as dependable. The fearful heart says, I can't depend on anybody but myself. God's heart desire for me is to see his sustaining power, but the fearful heart says it's for everybody else, not me. God's heart desire for me is to sense his abiding presence. The fearful heart says, I can't trust my feelings. God's heart desire for me is to take him at his word, but the fearful heart says, I'll believe it when I see it. God's heart desire for me is to find his peace that passes understanding, but the fearful heart says, there is no such thing as real peace. We're so afraid of following Jesus fully because we don't, we don't, we don't believe that he is all sufficient, right? We're, like, we're afraid of what we're going to lose, what we'll have to sacrifice, what we'll have to suffer, what we'll have to forego, you know, our comfortable lifestyle, the things that we hold dear. We're afraid of losing all that. And we're afraid that what he promises in return is not going to be actually worth it. We don't believe his words that it is more blessed to give than to receive and that a relationship with him going into eternity is worth the suffering and the loss and even the death that we might face here and now. We're instant gratifiers and we like having control. I understand why the Israelites worshiped the golden calf in the wilderness. God wanted to give The the new nation, a set of rules and commandments and instructions. He wanted to give them a pattern of a sanctuary so that they can understand God's character and and come to understand how uh, He was going to save them. And so God calls Moses up to the mountain, the Mount Sinai. And while He's up there, and Joshua's also nearby on the mountain, you know, waiting for Moses, it takes a while, and, and the Israelites start getting restless. Because once again, fear strikes their hearts because they've lost control. You know, they, they already feel a bit out of control being in the wilderness. But now Moses is not visible in front of them. They don't know when he's coming back. And so they go to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they say, Make us a God, right? Make us a God we can touch and see and feel and control. And that demands nothing of us. And in order to distract themselves from their fear and anxiety they have this golden calf, they party around it, hoping to block out what's really going on in the hearts and minds, which is that they are faced with a choice between fear and faith. And basically, they're afraid their fear is greater than their faith at this point. And so I understand why they they went towards self-indulgence instead of self-reflection. And that's a temptation that I think a lot of us still face, right? That when we're, you know, feeling anxiety, and I've certainly been there, that instead of going towards faith and seeking God and and self-reflecting and going to prayer, that I just want to go to Netflix or, you know, read something or just distract myself from really digging into what's happening in my heart. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that fear, however, makes us do irrational things. Remember the panic buying? It makes us blame others and create walls between us and them, creating and fueling a culture of outrage and division. How do we live by faith instead of fear? How can we learn to trust in God and not ourselves? Let's go back to Joshua. When he says yes to fighting the Amalekites, let's look at what happened. So Joshua, Exodus chapter 17, 13 to 15. Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. Now, let me me describe the setting for you. See, so you see Joshua's down in the battle and he's fighting and he has no idea what's happening. All he knows is that he's so busy fighting the Amalekites. But what he doesn't realize is that on top of the hill, Moses isn't just watching. Moses is praying and is interceding. interceding, And it actually depicts this really incredible scene of Moses that every time he held up his arms, you know, with the staff, Joshua would be winning. But then his arms would get tired and as Moses' hands went down, Joshua would lose, and it's this great metaphor that we see of the importance of prayer and support. And, and Joshua has no idea that this is happening. But Moses had a direct influence and impact on how Joshua was going. So what happens is Aaron and her, um, who's up there helping, you know, with Moses, they, they feel sorry for Moses trying to hold his hands up. So they get, they hold his hands up. And they're helping him. So what we don't realize is that there is a whole community of people praying for us, holding us up, right? We think we're all sufficient. We think we're fighting the battles alone. And, and Joshua might've been looking up, wondering what's happening up there. I need help. Not realizing that they, they actually were going through this. So then God says to Moses, write down what happened. And make sure Joshua hears it. Presumably Joshua was a slave, so he didn't know how to read and write. So he's telling Moses, read this aloud to him. Make sure he hears it. Make sure he understands that behind the scenes of what he was doing, I was working, you were working, Aaron and her were working. There's a whole community supporting him, that he is not self-sufficient. So this was something that was written down for Joshua to never forget so that he could build up his faith in God. He could realize that that his success, right, his spiritual success as well as, um, you know, his life really was dependent on God and on his spiritual community. They wrote down the words, Moses wrote them down in a scroll so that we can read it today. And Moses even built an altar, a memorial of stones with the inscription, the Lord is my banner. You know, I used to keep a prayer journal. I still do, but I type it out now. But I used to write it down um, before the age of computers. And I would write down my prayer requests. And then every day I would go back and look at which ones he answered. And it was quite incredible that I would forget about these things I had prayed for until I read them. Oh, yeah, I prayed for that. Oh, yes, he did answer that. And I would be able to write the, the date that God answered them. And it's, you know, at first it's just a few. And then the more you do it, the more you realize that there is overwhelming evidence that God is real and that he cares. And if we don't tr- keep track, we forget. We dismiss things as coincidences. We forget about them. We, we take blessings for granted. And, and the prayers that we had prayed so earnestly before, even after they answered, we, 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 we forget to, to make a memorial and to really um, mark this milestone where God has come through for us. If you want to increase your faith and overcome your fears, make it a habit to write down what God has done for you and listen to God's promises. Claim them for yourself. Make yourself a modern memorial, a picture, a post-it, a stone, something you can visually see and touch to remember and give it a personalized label, right? Moses said, the Lord is my banner because that was his experience, being on top of that hill, holding his hands up. But what would be on your memorial stone for this 2020 year of having survived the pandemic and two lockdowns? You know, would it be the Lord is my healer, the Lord is my provider, the Lord is my sustainer. Make your memorials personal. Joshua knew God personally. We know that Moses talked to God, you know, and that God talked to him and they had this intimate relationship. But what about Joshua? In Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 to 11, it reads, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So this is before the sanctuary was built. So before um, that that system was set in place where God could commune with, with humanity, what God would do is he would come to Moses who had his tent a little bit outside the camp. And God would talk to Moses. And it says that Moses would talk to God and then go back to the camp you know, and mingle with the people. But Joshua refused to leave the tent. He lingered in the tent. Why? I think, I think it's because Joshua wanted to hear God for himself. You know, Joshua wanted to commune with God himself. He did not want to leave the tent in case God showed up and he missed it. He wanted to be there. And we know that God was with him. We know that Joshua did not leave disappointed. When God uh, appointed Joshua as Moses' successor, this is what he says about him in Numbers chapter 27, verses 18 to 20. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer, the priest, and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight." you shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. Did you catch that? God calls Joshua a man in whom is the Spirit. In other words, all that lingering in the tent, it was not in vain. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had communed with God. God was abiding in him. And that's why Joshua was able to to live with courage and conviction. That's why he was able to to do what he did. And that's why God chose him to be Moses's successor. There's a Bible verse that says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. Joshua knew this truth, that even though he was a military leader, he knew that he was utterly dependent on God. No amount of strategic planning would be enough without God's guidance. No amount of armies would be impossible with God. That's why when he was one of the 12 spies sent out to the land of Canaan, only he and Caleb said, Yeah, we can fight against these giants. And and yes, we can claim this land because they knew it's not about us anyway. God can do this for us. If you want your faith to grow as we face uncertain times, linger in the presence of God. Talk to him. Show up where, where you know God is going to be, right? Keep coming to church. Keep opening your Bible. Keep praying and, and, and go into the presence of God and ask the Holy Spirit to come and abide in your heart. Remember that courage is not the absence of fear, but the embracing of faith, faith that God provides, faith that he's with us always, even to the end of time faith that he has a plan for our future, even though we cannot plan anything for ourselves. When Moses died and Joshua was now left to lead the people, despite his courage and conviction, despite everything, he was still afraid, right? Because courage is not the absence of fear. He had a lot of fears. What big shoes to fill. What a job to conquer and claim the land of Canaan and to do it without his mentor, Moses. The future was daunting and he felt inadequate. And we know this because he has to be told seven times, be strong and courageous. He's told by Moses, he's told by God, he's told by his own people. Everybody says to him, it's all right, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I like how God speaks to Joshua in these very tender words. Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. God says to Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That promise is for us as well. The name Joshua actually means the Lord saves, and it's the same root word for the name Jesus. Jesus also came to a captive Israel after 400 years of silence. His disciples thought he was going to be a great military leader like Joshua and to overthrow the Romans and help them to reclaim the promised land that they were living in. But Jesus came to save all of us from sin, from death, from fear and anxiety and guilt and hatred and bitterness. He came to show us a different way to live, a different way to respond to the circumstances around us, To the pressures and stress of the life that we live. Here we are at the end of nearly the end of 2020, and we're entering a new territory. We've been in lockdown, and as restrictions lift, we have to forge a new kind of future. Our time in the wilderness is nearing an end, but the life on the other side still has challenges. God had promised Joshua the promised land, but it wasn't clear and ready for them to move in. They had to fight against giants. They had to break through impenetrable walls. God was going to deliver, but Joshua still had to march around the walls and he still had to fight the battles. God never said that it's going to be easy, but he promised that he will never leave us alone, that he will always be with us. Through the lockdowns, through the pandemic, through the uncertainty of our future, he is always with us. I asked you earlier this question, what would you do for God if you weren't afraid? The God of Joshua still has a plan and promise for us to help us conquer our trials and temptations and to help us achieve a new calling for our lives. He's got something amazing planned for us if we're willing to to step into faith and follow his leading and say yes to doing that impossible thing he calls us to The question is, where will we go from this wilderness? Will we try to go back to Egypt and the way things were? Will we build idols that we can control and live in instant gratification? Or will we answer his invitation to contribute to a new spiritual community and claim our place in the promised land of a new earth and a new heaven? The verse that Micah read earlier, Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 was Moses speaking to Joshua before he died. He said, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I pray that as we face our uncertain future, that we might take up that call to be strong and courageous and to answer God's call to do his will for our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, So many times when we have been afraid, it was easier to be in denial or to blame others or to try to just drown it out in pleasure. But Father God, help us to instead place our faith in you, to give you a chance and to remember how you have led us in the past and to actually realize that there's a whole spiritual community that we can join and lead and be a part of, that you have an exciting future for us, Father. It's not easy. There's going to be challenges. But Father, help us to say yes to your call to discipleship. Help us to say yes to what you have planned for our lives so that as we step out in faith like Joshua did, we'll experience that the Lord is our banner, that the Lord is our Savior, and that there is a new earth and a new heaven that is worth it. Give us that faith. Give us that courage. We pray in your son's name. Amen.